liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows just don't get treated like a hoe Today's episode is with an anonymous military scientist named Dave, and we are doing a deep dive on China, including Evergrande, military conflict, a whole bunch of interesting information that I had not really considered very much. So I think you guys will find this one highly revelatory and enlightening. I will not be putting this on YouTube because we cover too many crazy things, and I also want to uh, give a special bonus to our local supporters. So if you would like to watch the video, become a supporting, subscribing member over at my Locals page, go to libertylockdown.locals.com to become a supporting member of the show. As I've said, all of the revenue from that I am using to grow the show is not some cash cow for me. If you appreciate this content, it's kind of a value for value model a la uh, Adam Curry over at No Agenda. If you want to support me and help grow the show and get this message to more people, that's all I'm about. Go to libertylockdown.locals.com. This episode will be brought to you ad-free because I love you so much. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. Today, or tonight, I guess you should say, uh, I have on Dave, who is a defense scientist, so I will leave it at that. Welcome aboard, Dave. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too, Clint. How's it going? I'm good, man. I, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to talking to you because I wanted to get into a little bit about how the um, Evergrande default in China may, in fact, put us on a war footing. Uh, go ahead and give us your thoughts on that, and then we'll just kind of bounce back and forth. Okay, well, you are probably aware, if you've been watching some of the Fox News or Steve Banner broadcast, that uh, the Chinese Communist Party has their own agenda. Uh, that that is separate and distinct from sort of the face they've been showing the Western world for many years, and uh, I'm not sure if you're you're familiar with Colonel MacArthur's book about the hundred years plan that they have, but essentially they've been preparing uh, well into the past for well into the future for many many years now. Yeah. So. Yeah, so talking about Evergrande, Evergrande obviously is just a symptom of all the things that are going on and going wrong in our global economy. Now, Clint, you and I both share the, the sort of libertarian bent for philosophical purposes, right? We're sort mm -hmm. of more of the live free and, and to each his own sort of mentality, if I'm correct. Oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, contrast that with a, with a state economy uh, built on a party of a million people organizing, you know, top up, bottom down, everything going on in, inside their country. You know, that's, that's sort of what we're facing, a, a monolithic, you know, I, I, hate, I hate to use an oversimplification, but it's almost like the empire versus the rebels, okay? Mm. You know, if you think of it this way, the Chinese armies, you know, several million men, the, um, you know, they have a million members of the CPC, the Chinese Communist Party. They keep changing it. It, it used to be the CCP. Right. But, so uh, if, if you go back in time to the early, uh, you know, before Tiananmen Square, they had a sort of a cagey concern about adopting some of 
you know, Western mentality, philosophy, capitalism, free markets, and so on. But they, they realize that, well, at the end of the day, we own the police, we own the judges, we own the army. So whatever, you know, fun and, and uh, interesting things our people get up to, at the end of the day, we can always come in and crush whatever's coming, coming down for us. So here's the problem. You have China that has um, phrased the conversation in such a way that they have already tried to convince people that Taiwan is part of their uh, nation, right? It, it, it's, uh, it, it's almost like you're, uh, like Scott Adams would say, it's uh, you're thinking past the sale. They talk about uh, Taiwan as a rogue province when in fact, as you probably well know as much as I do, uh, they, you know, the, the Shanghai Czech, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he, he and the rebels, the loyalists, the right wing, you know, lost the civil war and they escaped to Taiwan and that's where they set up shop and away they went. Hmm. Well, you know, they were never a breakaway province. They were, they were unto themselves, you know, and, hmm. they, and they came up to be a Western uh, philosophy uh, market system. But the way that the Chinese Communist Party has phrased it is it's almost uh, fait accompli. It's almost, it, 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 of course, it's part of our, our territory. How, how would you insult us by saying that it isn't? And the one, you know, the one China policy, you know, where they have Hong Kong, which of course they, they loaned to the British Empire and then took back in, and recently, I'm sure you're aware that they've they've started to clamp down on the rights of citizens. Massive, you know, we've already, yes. yeah, we've already seen the sort of the the authoritarian bent starting to come out. You know, mm -hmm. so if you can imagine, it's like China has held a mask. China, the the nation, and of course, I'm not talking about people because yeah. we're all people. You know, you know, the world over, I've I've been from Hungary to Hawaii. I you know work with all kinds of people. People are people, as far as I see it, but the 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 party's plan their their mentality their mantra to combine and eventually dominate the earth as far as they understand it you know they they held the sort of the happy face in front of us all and offered you know insane prices on labor insane prices on materials and what do they do they they uh they escalated the huge sucking sound of manufacturing and raw materials development and anything that was dirty or or hard physical labor seemed to be pulled out of the western sphere and into the cheapest economic uh, zone out there you know many years ago i, I don't know if you recall uh, the phrase the four tigers mm -hmm. you know back in the 90s they talked about the four asian tigers that were going to take over it was going to be japan it was going to be taiwan South Korea and China. Well, I mean, when you have a, a state government that is willing to basically give the labor for free uh, of 1.3 billion people, it, you know, there, there's no economic, uh, you know, business-minded person out there that won't see. It, it's just hopeless to compete against them. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I've never heard this analogy made. I'm sure someone has made it, but if not, I'll take credit for it. This is extraordinarily similar to the rise of Amazon, if you think about it, because yes. Amazon cornered the market. They they undercut everybody. They put mom and shop, uh, you know, businesses out of business and and basically monopolized, 
80% of online commerce and China has done the same thing. But when it comes to pr- like global production of goods, it's a fascinating, um, you know, study for a business person like myself. And, and it's, it's a very good parallel because it points to exactly who in Western societies are the winners and losers. Mm. So any business that tried to compete against cheap labor from China ended up getting their, their, uh, shirts taken off their backs because they simply, you know, pound for pound, you can't compare with, with the labor uh, at a value uh, one-tenth what you can get on the market here. Right. So, so uh, and I don't know if you ever saw the, there was an interview with Steve Jobs uh, called The Lost Interview. It's on Netflix. Hmm. And uh, in that interview, he talks about, you know, hey, what's the next big thing? And this was, so this was Steve Jobs you know, he'd just been fired. He was he was starting up the next computer company. And it was one year before Apple begged him to come back and, and reinvigorate their, their dying brand. And he talked about, you know, well, you know, you know, computers and, and all that stuff. But he said, you know what the, the next big thing is? Online marketing. Mm-hmm. Having a storefront that puts everything at fingers, you know, at, at your fingertips on your computer, that's the next great thing. And of course, if you look at the businesses that have survived, if you look at the businesses that have thrived, they are the ones that have become the conduit to the cheap labor in Asia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, to the, to the detriment of our workers here. I mean, yep. your, your rust belt, I've, I've toured many uh, Eastern States and it's just a tragedy to see these massive proud buildings and all the, you know, effort that went into building infrastructure to, you know, make anything you know, soup to nuts, to tanks, to bolts, whatever. And it, it just slowly drained out of us, uh, you know, year over year as politicians kept saying, oh, you know, the better years are ahead of us. Well, how? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's no, there's really no argument against that. Uh, I think the only, <clears throat> the reason that libertarians in particular have a hard time with this is because we believe in free markets. So right. what, what aspect of this is not free market that gives them an unfair advantage? Well, let me let me give you uh, an, a, a counter example that I, sure. I used uh, a couple months back on another libertarian who's a big believer in open borders, and I said, okay, so I won't use his name, uh, but he he was like, you know, I'm for free and open borders. People are people. We should be able to do that to, to you know bring in anyone. There should be no impediment to allowing people to come in. I said, okay, fine. So what would happen if the Chinese Communist Party decided to send you 300 million Chinese people across the border, one after the other, 10,000 at a time? And in the span of a year, they had become the largest population in the democracy. And in the span of, let's say, 20 years, they uh, get the politicians that they push to the forefront to change the law that anyone that emigrated is now able to vote. Mm-hmm. And then they all vote to uh, align the United States of America with the Chinese Communist Party of China. Sure. So, so, sure. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is one of the biggest problems with our libertarian uh, ideals is that they, they really don't mesh well with the realities of life. If you have a system where a sovereign nation can abuse what's going on, so in the case of trade, they can uh, cheapen the yuan. So you know you can't possibly, with with U.S. dollars, compete uh, on par. 
with people. If you have a sovereign power manipulating your borders, it, this isn't a fair system. You know, mm -hmm. it, we we do believe in individual freedom, and, and I truly believe that we are better off the less we have government. But if you have a system that another another government can actually manipulate to its own advantage, well, clearly you've got no no free and fair system for the people that are in it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Now uh, let me let me just say too, uh, sure. I wasn't. I am actually not an open borders libertarian because I, I think that we have too large of a state, too large of a welfare state, warfare state, terrorism issues. Also, there's a litany of problems that make me not open borders. That being said, I do lean towards open trade without tariffs, tariffs even though I realize that there are other countries out there that can outcompete us on price. I feel like we still have an advantage when it comes to um, technology and, and some of the higher level thinking business models, things like that. Uh, that's not to say that there's not a tremendous downside. There is. I mean, it's obvious that we have lost so much of our industry because we opened up our markets to um, cheap labor in China and Thailand and elsewhere. And I, I don't have an easy answer for it other than the fact that over a long enough time period, if you, if you allow China to, or not allow, if, if China devalues their, their currency in order to undercut you on, on labor costs, um, it seems to me that eventually... It, you know, it all comes crashing down. So you just kind of have to bide your time and, and wait them out. Um, is that is that delusional? No, I, I think that's a, a very good uh, perspective on it, that you're, wait, but wait them out is, is kind of what we misunderstood. Um, is a regime that still has control of its military, its judi judicial system, its police forces, when is weighted out going to change the dynamic of the situation? They, they literally still control all the facets of their own government. Sure. So, you know, along that line, if you take into consideration that the Chinese Communist Party of the 80s was trying to get most favored nation trading status with the U.S. so that they could, uh, you know, bring prosperity over to their people. And, and I don't blame anyone on earth for, for trying to make your own people more prosperous. But with that, with the understanding that you are deliberately devaluing your labor so that you can continue to withdraw it from other parts of the world, clearly that becomes an unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. And if you, thought, if you think about it, like if you had a party that had a plan to 50 years from now, be the strategic uh, dominator in all the fields of technology and manufacturing, well, of course, you'd start off by sucking everything out of the West that you possibly could and taking advantage of every unfair. So, you know, you could say we have free and fair trade, but if your uh, government is undercutting my labor costs, I, I can never compete. So, you know, we've, we've had this you know, in the in the West, we kind of have this sort of Pollyanna belief. Well, you know, if if only we can just show them the benefits of capitalism, you know, that'll have a corrosive effect. And sooner or later, people will be happier. When they're happier, that they they won't want to fight. They want to do this stuff. So I ask you, Clint, how's that working for the Taliban in Afghanistan? <laughs> a little and, little different and, and, situation, but I, I get yeah. your point. But, you know, if you have a philosophical bent and it isn't uh, motivated by money, right. you can hold on. Uh, what's the waiting point? You can hold on forever. Yeah. If they, if they don't share our principles, 
you're not going to be able to to break them uh, by showing yours uh, essentially. Right. And I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think that it is true though that you know capitalism and the benefits of it certainly for the the lower class people in the country it does indoctrinate them into our way. I think there's a reason that America was so popular globally before we became this empire that was blowing up half the countries on earth. Uh, we were idolized and people would listen to our music and watch our, our, our movies. And, you know, they, they really looked up to America as a place and as an ideal. Unfortunately, I, I think a, a big part of the reason we can't compete with a nation like China, um, aside from the points that you're bringing up, is that we don't have a long time horizon management, uh, you know, political class. Like if you, if you took, I, I believe personally that if you were to take a freedom oriented governance, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron, but bear with me, you know, kind of the, the bare bones, minarchist American ideal, and you were to have it compete head to head with a longer time perspective, versus a communist one or a quasi-communist one like China is, I think that we could probably win out, but we don't have that. Basically what we have is we have the worst aspects of China and then we have you know, China doing a better job at being China than we are. Um, so I think that that's why we're going to get destroyed. Well, you know, just a second. Sorry, Arch. <clears throat> I kept the dog in here so we wouldn't... Oh, uh, don't, don't sweat it. Yeah, so... Um, okay, so... So long as you, you know, equate, you know, individual freedom as, as, a, as a uniform belief, then I can see where that, that would win out. You're right. But not everyone thinks that way. And unfortunately, even our own politicians, you know, haven't been honest with us. Now, you know, I'm not sure any of them think that way anymore, practically. <laughs> But, you know, to be fair to the United States, you know, you know, I'm a Canadian, so, you know, I'm a, a small A American. Hmm. Uh, we, <laughs> we have a little bit of a different perspective, but I can tell you firsthand from what I've seen, U.S. aid donates more money than the rest of the world combined. Mm -hmm. The United Nations wouldn't run if the U.S. government didn't pay a majority of those, those salaries for all those snobs in in new york city right. you know your nation is one of the most generous considerate forces and i'm not going to say for good or, or ill i'm just saying forces on the earth and you know there was a, a famous reporter here uh, who's who's quite an intelligent guy who actually came and talked about uh the usa encircling china as a parallel to the British Navy encircling Germany just before World War I. He, in 2008, came and gave a speech here, and his name's Gwyn Dyer. And he oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, he describes America as the schizophrenic empire. Sounds about right. And, and you know, it, it's because you don't have that, that you know, hidden agenda, uh, you know, beneath the surface of all these ideals you're trying to promote and support worldwide, that it's been very hard for you guys to see what the goal, you know, what we're on a journey and it's, it's a really screwed up journey, but where the hell are we going? Yeah. And, and it, well, I, I would, I would counter a little bit. I, I do think that there is an agenda, but I think that it has a very low time preference. So 
Like yes. the, the American power brokers, the politicians, they are very concerned with re-election, imminent re-election. And, and the, the businesses here have a little bit longer time perspective, but, but as long as they own the, the politicians and their heirs, the lineage of those politicians, they don't really give a shit what happens to the people here, in my, in my opinion. But then you have China, who you're right, they, they look at a 50 or 100 year game plan. And it's like, well, if you have that low of a time preference, no matter how evil your ideology is, in my opinion, you know, as a collectivist, um, top down totalitarian type model, you're going to kick the shit out of liberty loving people. If you take that low of a time preference and you compete with someone, a nation with such high time preference rulers. And I right. think that's that's a huge problem. And I think it's more of a cultural one. But anyways, I, I got you sidetracked. So I'll yeah, let you no, keep going. It's, it's a fair point, but let's, let's go back to the analogy of the empire versus the rebels. Okay. Mm. You know, we, as, as Western democracies, more or less for about a hundred years, what the, what the lessons of all the engagements we've gone into together are number one, we're disorganized. It, it takes us a while to get, you know, our collective heads out of our, out of the sand Mm -hmm. and come together and unify towards a point, number one. Number two, we're dysfunctional. We, we never come to the table fully prepared to do whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And number three, we, because of the individual values, we don't like to see casualty reports uh, of the nature of which the Chinese government can hide from their people. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with any of the Korean War, um, you know, battles, but they had no problem sending 100,000 men over the line and being okay with a few thousand stragglers coming back the other way. And, and that's a very serious power differential when it comes to what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So on that note, if you are a, if you are a, monolithic uh, agency if you're a, a a communist government with a with the people you can unleash as as soldiers in a war you don't care about massive losses now the interesting thing here is that so china has been planning to take back taiwan and of course they would like to take it in one gulp with no casualties right it's it's worth more if you want to put it like that now of course. The COVID virus, you know, early on when this happened, I said, what if this is a bioweapon? What if this was an accidental release of a bioweapon? Because it makes sense for the strategy that China would want to uh, execute on Taiwan. You fly commercial airlines over Taiwan, okay? You spray out this, um, this virus, of course, You've already prepared a vaccine ahead of time. Maybe you design it to go after specific DNA. Maybe mm. it's supposed to be susceptible to Chinese DNA. So what would happen? You would spray this in a peaceful uh, scenario. It would uh, you know, start making people sick. There'd be an outbreak. There'd be a massive um, loss of manpower, confusion, hospital shutdown, you know, that sort of thing, an emergency situation. You've got China 160 kilometers away. They could come across under the flag of the UN with, with, uh, with hospital ships at the front and their battleships at the rear or aircraft carriers on a peaceful humanitarian mission. Mm -hmm. 
once they've crossed the strait and they put down their flag, you're never getting it back. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would be like a blitzkrieg. It would be like a, you know, no one would know what was going on, but here's the thing. It wouldn't even be a blitzkrieg. It'd be a Trojan horse. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. It's, it, it really would be the, the most uh, ideal way to make it quick and painless for everyone involved, but it would also uh, send a, a pretty big example to the Philippines, Japan, Korea, you know, mm. Indonesia, these, you know, these people are realizing that China is not going to sit there and, and play nice all the time. They're, they've, they've got a plan in motion. Okay. Do you, do you have any knowledge as to, as to that being the case that this was? In I fact don't, I don't know that. Okay. No. And yeah. I, I have no prior knowledge on that. That's not my area of expertise. I'm an AI robotics guy, gotcha. but, but talking about it from the macro scale of science, you know, because I, I work with people who ask me to do things with science, right? That's exactly what you do. You design it as a first strike weapon and you'd aerosolize it to hit the population you want. But of course, you'd have the vaccine ready. Mm-hmm. You, you'd have the vaccine ready or, or it's a complete you know, a disaster. So it, it tends to support in my mind that, that this was an accidental release if it was something from a lab. But here's the trick. If people are to find out that it was specifically made to aimed at specific DNA, that's World War III. Yes. Oh, for sure. Right. So, I mean, the Japanese, you know, so, so who were the main targets? Well, obviously first Taiwan, then the Japanese, and then India, and mm. then maybe Caucasians. Maybe it was, maybe, uh, you know, and, and this is all theoretical here. I'm Pro- Probably Hong Kong as well, I would imagine. Well, they already have them, though. Yeah, that's true. So, so you're looking at Hong Kong. It's Hong Kong is right now. You know, they 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 played polite and, and diplomatic until now, and then brought the curtain down. You know, took over their democracy, started uh, arresting um, dissidents. Mm-hmm. This is what Taiwan would look like at you know ten years after the invasion and successful conquering of Taiwan. Gotcha. No, no, everything's fine. We're just changing the flag. It's all the same flag. And then sooner or later, bang, you are now mm-hmm. mainland China and there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Okay, so what, what that sparked in me was the worry in, in 2020 that the bioweapon may have been realized by these allies. And this might have galvanized Western um, viewpoints towards China to take, to take them seriously and not just that they're a difficult trading partner, that things, things are really different here. It's my belief, you know, putting things together, that if this was a bioweapon that was aimed at, at incapacitating people, or if it was aimed to, at being lethal, you know, the first, you know, we don't know what happened in China in those first few months. And I'm not sure if you're aware of the, the timeline, but the, I, I promise you, this all ties in with Taiwan at the end. At the very beginning, when, when the outbreak was really getting bad, it was the Chinese New Year. And mm. it was the largest, you know, the largest migration on earth is right. everyone going home for their, just like your Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know, the, the largest movement of people. And suddenly they shut everything down. Now, you know, you don't 
necessarily know everything your enemy's doing, but if your enemy is acting like something is serious and, and you don't know what's going on, well, you have to believe that they're smart enough to know what's going on. In other words, if you're holding a straight flush and your actions you know, don't line up with you holding a, a straight flush, I'll be confused and I may give you more money. But mm -hmm. if you're acting like you've got the, the absolute nuts, then I should take that as, as serious. So what happened, they shut down travel all over, you know, 1.4 million people. They just locked it down. They started putting uh, dirt in highway underpasses and tunnels so no one could drive. They started welding people into their uh, apartments. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that tell you? Does that sound like it was a mild case of the flu? No. Uh, this is this is why early on I was actually concerned about COVID because it sounded fucking apocalyptic. I was like, this is this seems serious. And at the same time, they were minimizing their communication with the World Health Organization. Yes, they were. On, right. And there was one day that they released their death count. And it had a map, you know, they had death count, death count, death count, and then a massive jump. Mm -hmm. I said to myself right there, okay they're lying. They're, they're absolutely lying. None of this can be believed. And we can talk about that when we get to Evergrande. None of this can be believed. But also, they know that they know what their cards are. They know what they did. Xi Jinping was not seen in public for weeks. It was like the leadership went into hiding. What does that tell you? It, you know, serious, serious things. Were they looking at a mass casualty situation? There were satellite images that came out showing huge plumes of SO2 smoke coming out from Chongqing and from Wuhan. What does that say? It's a serious suggestion of 24-7 cremation. Horrific. Yep. Okay, so when all this happened and this, this uh, virus escaped or, or was let out or it was an actual accidental release they didn't stop people from traveling out of their country mm -hmm. it, what does that say about your concern for your fellow man well it says you're not really concerned about people that aren't chinese for sure and you know so you know as as you're as you're determining whether somebody's culpable i mean look we all spill a, a cup of coffee right but we don't all wave a gun around at people randomly right mm-hmm you know, I, I could make a parallel between what they're what they're saying with uh, Alec Baldwin and how the Chinese acted and talked about it. You know, they're, they're talking in the press. They use uh, minimizing language. He was using a prop gun. They call it a prop gun. Well, if it can fire real bullets, is it a prop gun? No. No. And he was practicing his draw. Well, okay. He was told it was cold. So you, I'm sure you own guns, I'm guessing. What do you do if I hand you a firearm and I have clear. it? Show, clear. You clear it, yeah. right? I will probably sit there and clear it for you. Here it is. Right. Here it is. Here's the mag. Here's whatever. And I'm sure you'll double check, right? Okay. So they're, they're making it sound like it was this, this accident that happened and not Alec Baldwin was lazy and didn't spend 15 seconds making sure he didn't kill someone. <laughs> You go back and look at, uh, you know, the timelines, what they're talking about. Oh, a pandemic that started in Wuhan, China. Hang on. 
ask yourself, would we be taking it the same way if it was a bioweapon released from Wuhan, China? We would be up in arms. We'd be angry. And this is, the, this is what ties in with Taiwan now. When that accidental release, you know, mutation, whatever it was that, that started the chain of events that happened after that, it entirely altered the timeline that the CCP was, was in on. Why? Because sooner or later, whether they bury the story or not, it's going to come out that they were culpable, that they were responsible, and they were lying about the virus. What's that going to do? Well, obviously, if you're, you're gaming the system with your sovereign powers of you know, manipulating your currency to steal everyone's manufacturing, you want to be able to keep selling goods to everyone else on this free market, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what would happen if we all demanded China uh, give us reparations for all the damages they've caused? I mean, they'd be in a lot of trouble financially, but it would probably amount to war. It, right. Well, that so, so that's right. That's the 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 sequence of steps. People would demand. Uh, an accounting for what happened inside China. China would refuse. They're going to lie. And, and it wouldn't matter how bad it was there, you know, whether it was uh, a self-inflicted bioweapon or just an accident or poor management or whatever, they will refuse to cooperate. Well, what will happen for the trade uh, situation, China with the rest of the world? It will, I would imagine that we, we'd put blockades up and we would stop trading with them. Exactly we'll start uh, demanding reparations, we'll start impounding their assets, mm -hmm. we'll start taking their money or freezing their accounts. Well, so if you have a 50-year plan to take out all the money of the world, right, and you're only 35 years in and you accidentally release a virus, mm -hmm. and then suddenly the door is shut on you for all this economic gain, mm -hmm. what is your reason to not go to war the next minute and invade the, ter the territory you want. Well, yeah, seems, it seems like it would incentivize them to speed up their plan. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I was shocked that they didn't go ahead and attack last year. I am, because, I'm surprised too, actually. Yeah, because, you know, uh, you know, like I said, you know, we're like the rebels. We're disorganized, we're confused, we're dysfunctional. But sooner or later, our enough people are going to become aware of what's going on. They're going to band together and go, okay, we are, we are all united. China, you pay us reparations. Start paying us the trillions of dollars you owe us for the health care, for the burials, for the, the victims. Oh, I've, got, I've got a big wrench to throw in this for you because yes, uh, uh, as you're probably aware and many of my listeners are because I've covered it at length, it appears quite evident that this virus was funded in part by Fauci's, you know, underwriting at the, uh, uh, I forget, NID or whatever it's called. Um, so where does that tie in? Because to me, it seems as if America, the American government has its hand in the creation of this virus. Well, uh, that's true. I mean, you know, speaking for the rest of the world outside of, of the USA and China, both of you are in a situation. Yeah, but, but your situations are not identical. Uh, we, I could go on for an hour and tell you how 
very unhappy I am and, and disappointed in how bad Fauci is as a scientific advisor. I'll leave that aside for now. <laughs> it's obvious that Fauci used EcoHealth Alliance as a mercenary contractor to evade the laws of his own land. If you haven't fired him now for that, your government is basically accepting and ignoring its own culpability in what was going on. But that being said, just, just take that, put that to a side. I ask you this. If the United States government was funding a project in uh, Zimbabwe and it had a large dangerous chemical component and that chemical plant blew up, let's say, for example, and it killed 10,000 people in a village. Do you think the U.S. government would sit there denying from day one their culpability? I'm pretty blackpilled. I would say they probably would deny culpability. Mm, maybe. But, <laughs> but remember, USAID donates more money than anyone else. I can guarantee you that within a couple of days, your agencies would be, you know, take, um, take airline crashes. Your, your government puts people on planes, sends them to other parts of the world to make sure things are done properly because American planes were involved. True. Well, believe... let, let me let me say, I, if it was an honest accident, I think they might admit it. If it was intentional, which is what we're hinting at with the release of the weapon, then I think that they would deny it to the end of the earth. Um, so, but accidental or intentional, the the you know the the straight line of uh, responsibility would go back to the U.S. government. For example, during uh, the Kosovo War, uh, U.S. Uh, fighter planes bombed the Chinese embassy in, right? You remember that? I forget, I forget which country, but yeah. Right, right. So immediately there was reparations paid. There True. were, you know, things were done. I, I believe fully that your government would, you know, unleash an army of lawyers and repair crews and whatever and do that. And they would, they would attempt to make amends for the thing that they are directly linked to. I, I do. I, yes, I mean, the politicians will try and pawn it off on someone else, but your government is bigger than that. And it does take responsibility. If it leaks stuff, it, it, it you know, digs up the dirt and, and off you go. Okay. So back to where we're at. Mm -hmm. The Evergrande scenario makes it even harder for the Chinese government to sit on its hands and do nothing right? I was reading insider paper, they were talking about, you know, that uh, DMSA, the, the German, I don't know, rating agency was saying that we could be within a year of the financial collapse, you know, financial collapse 2.0. I, I tweeted that out today. I said, I said, this is your, your Lehman Brothers moment. And if history is any guide, we, yeah, have, we have one year before the wheels completely fall off. And that was just me spitballing. So I, it's, I'll have to read that. Yeah, I, and you're, you're, you're on point. So what's going to happen is uh, the, the, so the other problem with the, the evil empire approach, the, the monolithic state-run organization, and I, and I saw this when I was in Yugoslavia, you know, communist parties, everyone lies to the party, everyone. 
And in China, I don't know if I've been tweeting this stuff out uh, for a while now, stealth loans, hidden assets, secret, oh, yeah. you know, secret deals. There is so much corruption in a, in a country controlled by one party. You know, you know, we complain about our leaders, but sooner or later we find out about all the stuff they've been up to. You, you've got people who tweet out exactly how much Nancy Pelosi is worth. <laughs> True. Right? You know, it, it, it all comes to light. But very few people know Xi Jinping is a billionaire. Oh, yeah. Well, that, I, I didn't know it, but I knew it, if you know what I mean. Exactly. But the thing is, is that so they've been living high on the hog, taking all these investment dollars from you know, you and every other Western nation. And they've been feeding their corruption as well as their hundred year game plan. And it's all going to come to the same end. So if they were able to duck our angry, you know, isolation of China from the World Trade Organization, on the one hand, you know, by, by ducking responsibility for the COVID virus, here comes the other side. They're going to get slapped from all these, you know, bondholders and, you know, sovereign debt funds who now suddenly demand China pay up. Right. Well, again, it doesn't matter which one of these two, you know, horns of the dilemma hit them first. Either of these is a justification to just invade, just mm -hmm. to go straight to military power. Because, of course, you know, what would happen the day after they, they attempted to invade Taiwan? I mean, I would imagine America would either either counterstrike or or bluff and bluster and and prepare to. In uh, in the Korean War, it was called Eisenhower's bluff, hmm. his nuclear bluff. When they when the uh, UN troops were were suffering serious casualties uh, at the hands of you know facing Chinese forces, uh, he threatened to use nuclear weapons. Hmm. Because he, he just he just didn't want you know to see the grinding ground know, war, traditional yeah. warfare it, as as he saw so so oh man a, a ground war against China would be fucking insane so be, yeah <laughs> I think I think that's that's why I'm so concerned about a conflict with China is because I think it's either nuclear or it's not at all um, well I, I would argue I would argue that um, or proxy it's probably more proxy you know Cold War to hot war. But to be fair, people seem to think, um, you know, people with nuclear weapons are, are seriously going to use them. The reality is, okay, the United States launched two nuclear weapons and then hasn't launched a single one at anyone else since. I don't care who it is. I don't care if uh, Macron is getting a little frisky with his nuclear weapons. Anyone lights one of those off and sets up a nuclear dead zone pretty much the entire world will align against whoever that is. Right. I mean, that's true. Yeah. So I would actually argue that nuclear are the, the counter argument. I would actually argue that nuclear arms make us more safe because everyone knows there's a, there's a serious limit at the ends of how much one power is willing to accept upon which, you know, we, we pass the point of no return. And once we've gone past no return, it's, it's launch all, all tubes. I, I don't actually disagree with you. I think it's obvious that it has diminished. Um, you know, obviously, world wars haven't happened since the nukes got dropped. So I think that it it makes the the fight smaller. Um, however, it's kind of like like living off of debt. Like in my in my Austrian worldview, is like sure. yes, it 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 makes for a more peaceful world 
in the short term, but you're kind of condensing the pain or the potential for massive pain if you were to ever have a nuclear uh, all-out nuclear war. It's like, okay, well, we could have had a world war that would have killed 20 million people, and now we have an apocalypse. So I, I'm still I'm still personally a fan of uh, nuclear disarmament, but I realize it's highly unlikely. So we don't need to argue that. <laughs> yeah, no, and it and it you know who's to say you know what the world looks like. I think one of the most important pieces, and and this from a libertarian bent, is so long as the American and Chinese governments co-own trillion dollar debts, one way or the other then we have a world united. Mm. If, and you've seen uh, Russia and uh, China try to make their own polar opposite, uh, you know, trying to get off the, the, you know, um, what do you call that payment system? This, Uh, you know, you know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Trying to make their own payment system. That's, that's separate and distinct from the U S. Oh, Swift. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, what I'm afraid of is if we get to the point where the debts and assets are completely disconnected, we will become a bipolar world. It will be the Chinese block and the American block. And we could be into like, like you say, like a cold war scenario with proxies until such time as one, you know, overcomes the other or, or whatever, maybe the Chinese people rise up and and take their own government. That's kind of what we're hoping for. Yeah, or or one of us collapses economically first, and the other just kind of rolls over them. I think that's probable, but anyways. Yeah. So you know where we are with this is until China is taken to task for whatever their culpability is, they're going to keep trying to play whatever game that makes the most sense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, if we take away their options, that might make war f- uh, you know hot war faster. But at the end of the day, if they're still trading money, wands for U.S. dollars, are is anyone re- you know, you know, if if you want to make sure, I mean, you, you talked about nuclear releases. Well, if you've got a bunch of rich Chinese people that own American real estate, do they really want to nuke it? Of course not. No, and and I and I I, I I see your point. I mean, this is this is why I'm so uh, pro free trade is because you know as long as goods. Uh, cross borders, usually armies don't. The the issue here, though, is that the American people or government owe so much money. Like if you're a debtor to a country and it's that debt is enough to basically sink you at some point, you might just say, well, fuck this. We're going <laughs> to we're going to default. And, and at that point, all bets are off, you know, then, then right. conflict becomes highly probable at that point, because I honestly, I think the, the whole reason that, that, uh, that Biden has only given lip service to defending Taiwan or Hong Kong for that matter, uh, under Trump, he didn't say a damn thing about it practically, um, is because of that, because we owe them so much money and we, and we are, are, um, we're kind of at their mercy when it comes to not just the debt system, but also their production. We realize that like, this is not, I mean, whether or not you can win the war is is debatable, but no one really wins a war between America and China. It's going to be so catastrophic for the world. It, it would be, you know, devastating. So I don't know. Do you think that uh, that ultimately we were, were headed there regardless? Well, if China has the plan to retake Taiwan, 
it's going to happen. What yeah. we do will entirely depend on how painful, how severe, and how protracted everything else is around it. But mm -hmm. let's be honest here. You know, uh, AUKUS, you guys started up the new Australia, U US, UK, India, mm -hmm. Japan alliance, right? You're, you're already forming an isolationist block. You know, India is looking at, at China and they're just as concerned as, as the US is. Um, you know, as long as people are still trading assets of value between the two sides, I, I can't see it running away in either direction, right? And you got to remember, like, um, a couple of things. Number one, your government is so massive. It, I mean, it's just, it's just so ponderous that, I'm sorry, even if you're president of the United States, you don't have a fucking clue what half of your government departments are. Let me ask you this simple question. Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever his name is. Buttigieg, yeah. Honest, yeah, sorry. Do you honestly think he's visited every Department of Transportation building, you know, location in, in the United States, in the continent of the United States? I'd be surprised in, if he visited more than two. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let, you know, I went to the the um, the uh, rocketry uh, museum. But he did, he, he did take paternity leaves. So yeah, okay, listen. Super hey. important. That's okay. You know, he, he's entitled to his entitlements. <laughs> I respectfully disagree. I think that uh, you, can, you can leave the wife at home or the husband in this case, and he can handle the kids. Uh, you have a massive supply crunch crisis that's happening in this nation. I don't think you get a vacation during that period, but that's an aside. And you know, that that's an interesting point. That could be like one of these complicating factors. You know, so you're, you're looking at these Chinese companies that are now going bankrupt because they've got all the corruption, their payoffs. They, you know, they've been like, like you said, Amazon, they're, they're, they're making $90 uh, on every hundred they spend undercutting everyone around the world. They've got bills to pay too. And they've got all this freight sitting there that hasn't been delivered. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that becomes a catalyst for, you know, rushing a timeline towards invasion. But, you know, you know, uh, your, your government is so large. At one time in the 60s and 70s, you had four different departments building rockets. Like, you know, the European Space Agency, the Russian space, whatever, the Japanese, whatever. You literally had like four independent interplanetary rocketry <laughs> systems going on. Do you honestly think John Kennedy knew that when he was, you know, in charge? Uh, I, who knows what the president actually knows at this point. Yeah, exactly. And was he busy with Marilyn Monroe? Who knows? <laughs> right. But, but the point is, is that your, your government is so ponderous and, you know, you've got a whole bunch of people, uh, doing good work and, and going down lines with or without political interference, regardless. But there are people in there, you know, and, you know, Trump found this out the hard way that will only give the president one side of the story to make whatever narrative they like, you know, uh, Fauci, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what the president, you know, decides. So, you know, you've got the American president is seen as sort of the moral leader of, of the free world, you know, our values, our, our markets, whatever. But at the end of the day, 
Is he really going to be prepared enough? Are they going to be honest with him about their capabilities vis-a-vis uh, -vis what they can do against the Chinese? Are they going to be honest? It's hard to say. Yeah, I have no idea. On the flip side, at, with respect, I would, I would argue that your Joe Biden has just made a massive strategic blunder. I don't know if you know uh, or aware of he had a CNN town hall. Oh, yeah. A couple of weeks yeah. ago. And you remember that he said that they would defend Taiwan. I remember. You, you remember that? And oh, it, yeah. And it, it, it sent chills down my spine because I was like, we cannot do this right now. And uh, I, that's why I think it's it's bluffing. But anyways, go ahead with your thoughts. on Okay. It. Well, so put yourself in the shoes. Let's say you're the field marshal in charge of the Chinese uh, People's Liberation Army, Army, Navy, Air Force, ICBMs, the whole bit. And someone has let slip that the US forces will defend Taiwan. Hmm. What does that change the status of the US forces floating around the South China Sea? Are they neutral? No. Doesn't seem no. like they would be. No. No. They are now targets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So by, by breaking... And, you know, I feel really bad. I, I don't know who is pushing Joe Biden around, but they are really doing some elder abuse. The poor oh, guy shit. is is not all there and it's not fair. But also that could be something that concerns, say, the CCP in China. You know, who is who is the the, the puppet master? Who's actually pushing the buttons back there? But, but back to Biden, your country had a strategic ambiguity position when it came to Taiwan. They wouldn't say if they would, they wouldn't say if they would not defend Taiwan if Taiwan was attacked. Well, what did Joe Biden do? He well, just he, said, he made We're it explicit. Yeah. So what does that do? So you're the Chinese PLA field marshal. What do you have to prepare for on, on your first phase of the invasion? Uh, counter strikes from the American ships out there. And you have to be ready to blow anything out of the water between you and Taiwan. You oh, right. have right. So Joe Biden has just put a target on every single U.S. Navy ship, every U.S. plane that is flying around the Chinese airspace. Yep. They are now considered and and they well right. You're you're in charge. The boss says you have to take Taiwan. He asked you how many days and how much money you needed. You told him. And you got ready to go and you get your jet, right? Just like uh, uh, Eisenhower and his Operation Overlord getting everyone ready to assault the beaches, right? You're, and then he, he signed his own resignation if it was a total failure on day one, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the days when they were... They were when they had honor. When they had honor. <laughs> yeah. You know, dear president, I, I respectfully submit my resignation. You know, the, we didn't make our beach objectives. You know, there's 300,000 dead. It's all on my head mm -hmm. okay so the you know the, i don't know if you saw in the the twitter feed today that they have found a mock-up of a u.s carrier uh, as a target sitting in the chinese desert oh yeah i saw that too you saw that well why what do you, do you, think what that do you is? yeah is it to is it to test on how to how to take it out well as as a or is it to produce it I don't no know. no no for surveillance and, and imagery so if you have to, you have to plan, uh, you know, strike fighters, fast air attack, 
what okay. are they looking for? They fly over and, you know, take oh, their okay. at certain ranges. What, you know, what's it going to look like? You know, it's going to look something like this, right? Yeah, sure. Well, what do you think? These things aren't accidental, mm-hmm. you know? So Biden has really done your, your military a massive disservice by letting slip the, the, the ambiguity in the position. And that, that's, that's well, I hope it's not a tragic case. Yeah, but- well, let, let, me, let me give the counter argument. They have no intention of defending Taiwan, and they only can give this lip service. And that's why he made it explicit, because he's hoping that just the, the overt threat of us defending Taiwan will get them not to take it. I mean, that's... They- you know, that's just uh, my, my chest be. brain, you know. It could be, yes, the, the, the bluff and counter bluff. Okay, so you've got forces. You know, you have the, the largest military on earth. You could, you could add all the rest of us up. We wouldn't even compare. But the problem is you distribute it. You distribute it over this um, schizophrenic empire yeah. all over the world. Yes. 70 bases or whatever it is. Yeah, all kinds of countries. Or 70 countries, I meant, yeah. Sure, sure. But what do you think? So you're back in the role of a field marshal of the People's Liberation Army. You have these forces, and they may not be as big as the U.S. forces, but you've got one target, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how how you stack up man-to-man if you have only one objective, Oh yeah, no, and and if you and if you have first mover advantage, there's you're gonna and win, surprise, right? Yeah, you're gonna, exactly. you're gonna, it's gonna be the uh, December seventh, hit them on a Sunday, you know, when everyone's on leave. Yeah, no, I, I think I think they could take Taiwan if they want it. I I just think the for me the only question is does America want to defend it? But um, what is what is the uh, you you brought up Evergrande? I would like to talk a little bit more about that. What do you what do you think this portends for us economically globally? If if there is you know cascading defaults that are starting to be an issue in China, uh, do you think that it ultimately um, speeds up their plans? Uh, it sounds like you were hinting at that. And and if if they actually are dealing with a recession at home, it seems to me that that could actually hurt their their chances of of you know preparing for war. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough tough evaluation to make. When you're facing internal strife, isn't it great to have a unifying external threat? Yeah, they they definitely like external enemies in time in times of uh, social strife. Any any politician go go back hundred years war. Go back True. to you know Napoleonic times. The, the great, you know, the great Napoleon in his battles unified, you know, the kingdoms against the one power, the, the French throne. Mm-hmm. So this is, okay, so, so what I would say is this, you know, thinking in times of war is completely abnormal to thinking in times of peace. That's true, yeah. And, and we... You know, we have had a good run since the 1940s of peacetime thinking. But we need people to become aware that, no, we we just had a lull. It's a pause. Mm -hmm. Things weren't all settled uh, at the end of World War II. We were exhausted. We we had enough. But 
forces were aligned to to go on and and go forward with their plans. I see. I think this is a this is a very big problem because while we have had a peacetime mindset when it comes to the American people, we have been on a war footing when it comes to our actual military for my entire life. I mean, we have been in either minor or major wars basically my entire life, and and that has it has borne a tremendous cost, but the American people haven't felt it. All that being said, though, the American people are still very war weary. You know, they they aren't really interested in conflict. And I don't think that there would be any popular will for a hot conflict with a nation as significant as China. The, and the reason I think that America doesn't have any interest of going to war with China is simply because they have hid and allowed China to hide the origins of COVID. And and I think if you were interested in conflict with a, another nation and they presented you with an opportunity that grand, and I don't think I've ever seen an opportunity better in my life. I mean, it would have been, it would have been the type of propaganda that would have made me as a staunch anti-war person go like, mm, maybe we should bomb these motherfuckers. Like they, they unleashed a pandemic on the globe. Like, yeah, you deserve to pay a price for that. So it seems to me that they don't want war with China. I mean, that's that's the read I get from it. Because otherwise, why would they not have have capitalized on that opportunity? You mean uh, why have why haven't the Chinese capitalized on it? No, no, no. I'm saying why hasn't the American government capitalized on on demonizing China? You know, Trump did it to some extent, but Biden has been completely moot about it. Like mute. He doesn't say a word about it. No right. one, no one in the media says a word about it. And you know as well as I do, if they were interested in war. The media would be on a 24-7 blitzkrieg, as you said earlier, to try and, you know, hammer and nail down the fact that that virus came from, from China. They did it either accidentally or intentionally. They would probably portray it as being intentional. And then the American people would say, OK, let's go. Well, I mean, you, you've got, you know, um, you know, all credit to Steve Bannon. You've got the Republican, Democrat, the old mindset. You've got the globalist and the nationalist mindset. Yes, big time. Pe- people are, you know, we have put down the national um, mantra and towards more of a global, we're all in this together sort of mindset as part of our wartime to peacetime transition. Mm. But as you see people starting to, in this case, you know, one foreign power starting to manipulate things, it doesn't bode well for any country to ignore uh, a possible foe that might, if it didn't start a bioweapon program to, to uh, finish you off yesterday, could start one tomorrow. Sure. Um, and so, you know, globalist, you know, where where is the money base of the Democratic Party? Who's paying their bills? Is this the Goldman Sachs? So is, you know, are the people that have, factories in China, the ones making sure we aren't angry about, about all these casualties worldwide, it's possible. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, counter argument. It certainly could be the case. I also think that there's tremendous Chinese money that's probably involved in our political races. They probably own numerous politicians outright. And then you also just have the natural um, economic pressures of like, these guys produce all the goods. Big business has no interest in us going to war with them. So I think it's, it's uh, yeah, that's an interesting argument. You know, the, there was a book called The Game of the Foxes, and it talked about the German Abwehr and their, their infiltration of um, the Democrat Party before World War II. And they put money and agents in to 
re-electing a Democrat because they wanted to make sure that the Democrats were in power because the Democrats were, like you said, they didn't want another war. They, they wanted to stay out. But the reality of the economic market came to the fore in that. So while the Germans are trying to get, you know, people in Washington to make sure there's no, there's no um, U.S. ally joining the fray, the reality on the markets was that French and British and other European uh, sovereign powers were selling their assets to buy arms to go to war. Mm. And it was and it was brought to uh, uh, FDR's attention that look, we cannot afford uh, these guys losing or we will lose so much of our market, we will go back into another Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he wanted, you know, the Lend-Lease Act, he wanted to help the British, he wanted to, to, to do that stuff, even though people in his own party were unwilling to go to war. But the reality was, if they allowed the, the, the European nations to go under, that was a lot of the economic, economic firepower of the US that was going to go down with them. Of course, and so they no. were pulled, even though they, they had a, a pro-German bent, they were pulled along with the way the money goes. And that's, I think, what's going to happen here. Well, there's a, a famous saying, I forget who said it, but it's like all wars are bankers wars. Yes. Well, this is, I mean, it's all wars are economic. Like that's, yes. that's usually what dictates what the nation ends up doing. Ultimately, it's, it's very rare. And this is why people think of America as being such a great nation is because we, uh, first off, we've won all the wars. So we've written all the history books. So we get to say, you know, that we did X, Y, Z for such good and holistic and uh, healthy reasons and, and moral reasons. I'm not sure that that's true. I think oftentimes um, almost all of our wars, if not all of them, have been economically driven more than ideologically. But regardless, um, I, I'm curious to see how this one plays out. I know people will be pissed if I don't ask for a conclusion here. Where What do you think happens? I mean, do you think that that uh, the well, first off, do you think that Evergrande is the the first domino in an economic default in China that leads them to do some um, perhaps you know rushed maneuvers on Taiwan? Do you think that uh, that we will actually defend them? What what's where where do you think this actually ends up going? Well, no matter how it plays out, the U.S. will get the short end of the stick. Hmm. Go ahead and explain it, that. It, you. You are always the one in the background that comes to the rescue, no matter what the situation was. Right. Uh, you, uh, okay, so yes, Evergrande poses a big problem. I mean, they are literally in default, I think, as of today. Yep. So that's going to- $148 million payment that they defaulted on today. Um, I think they're a three or $400 billion company. They're one of the biggest construction construction lenders in China. China is- a you know filled with Potemkin villages, just empty buildings that have been built up. Um, I they are a paper tiger when economically to a large extent because they have tried to centrally plan an economy for 1.3 billion people. I don't think it's sustainable. Sorry, this is all an aside, but I, yes. people have been asking me for my thoughts, so I had to get that out there. Yes, no, and I agree. And and you know no no central power, no central planning ever you know solves everything in an economy. No. Right, you and me and everyone else can see five ways to to save a buck. That's what we do. Right. But yes, I think Evergrande starts the the dominoes falling, and it could be um, default payments to sovereign funds suddenly become such a huge gap that you are literally um, 
dropping entire, you know, pension funds, pensioners, uh, entitlements, social security, Medicare. We don't have money for any of this stuff. It's going to cause people to demand China do something. They don't have it because they've been lying about what they've got, right? They, I'm sorry, they, they did not come to be very close to the US in terms of economic power. I don't care what metric you're using. There's lots of lying, there's lots of fudging. Everyone lies to the party. So and the yes. only way they compete is in terms of production of goods, which is significant. However, I agree with you. In terms of wealth, it's not even fucking close. It's, it's, it's not close. It never was close. They, they really did a number uh, imagining assets that didn't exist, you yes. know? So, so you're going to see, so we thought it was you and I both very concerned at the beginning. And of course the virus, you know, did what viruses do. It, it's a completely, you know, unconcerned thing that just evolved the way it did, right? It may have been lethal in the beginning. It may have been benign, who knows, but it went on its merry way and mutated and evolved. But back to where we're going, here's what I see. If it wasn't COVID reparations that caused a unified economic front against China, so, you know, it, it becomes a unifying power for all the rest of us. Hey, China, where's our money? It'll be, if, if it isn't demanding COVID reparations, it's going to be demanding debt back. and yeah. putting Or the, debt, debt forgiveness. Get forgiveness, yeah. yeah. And if that happens, then you start to see the, um, you know, freezing assets, holding ships. Once that starts, once those dominoes start, you know, it becomes the chess match, right? right. I mean, once those pawns start going, we could be in war within a year. Yeah, it's very. It, it possible. could escalate very quickly. I agree. And for them, well, if you were in their shoes, would you wait as things got worse and worse and worse? Well, especially if I need additional capital and resources, I would certainly move on Taiwan early in the war to try and, you know, retrieve those assets that I believe are mine, you know, in their worldview. Now, here, here is the other complicating factor. TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturer Corporation. Hmm. They are half the world's semiconductor manufacturer. They want that shit for sure. If you're broke... And you and you have Chinese semiconductors. What's the one easy way to make sure the only chips you can buy are Chinese? You crush oh, yeah. the semiconductor manufacturing. Oh wait, so you're you're saying that half of them are Taiwanese and the other half are Chinese? No, sorry. Uh, T TSMC, Taiwanese, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturer Corporation. Yeah. Uh, outputs a half a trillion dollars a year in semiconductor chips okay. right the, okay. the, the corporation so they have been uh in the western sphere they have been the one you know bankrupting you know california and canadian and european semiconductors making more and more onshore in taiwan and selling to us using our cheap uh transportation to mm -hmm. to flood our markets with our stuff right there is a huge half a trillion dollar jewel if you grab a hold of that the Chinese become the only major supplier of semiconductors on earth. There you go. So if you're desperate for cash, what do you do? Do you let Taiwan keep selling? Now, the Japanese have, have realized this. Uh, I read the other day that um, 
that TSMC has agreed to fund a half a trillion dollar semiconductor manufacturing business in Japan. So Japan's realizing they've let China go far too far. But I, I will say this. I don't know if the U.S. ships, the U.S. forces will be in the first wave. But once, once the invasion starts, and it could be China invades Taiwan, China invades Ladakh, which, mm-hmm. is, which is on the border with, they already took uh, territory over from the Indians. I was going to say that's near India, right? Yeah. And the Pakistanis. So the, the Iranians are starting military maneuvers, the Pakistanis and the Chinese. So it could be all fronts go, or it could be a separate isolated attack on Taiwan. Once they get to the point that they realize they are not going to be able to economically suck our wealth out, there will be no reason to stop. Mm. But what will happen is there will be that first strike and it'll probably be coordinated. It'll probably be effective because they remember they're the monolithic power. They can get everything ready and launch when they're ready you will see the nations around China realize, look, we're only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're next. Japan knows that China wants back at them for Manchuko for the, their invasions. Horrific. you know. And, and don't get me wrong, I have nothing against any peoples of the earth. And, and the suffering and the grievances that have gone on, you know, they, they are welcome to be... Um, upset at their neighbors for all the stuff they've done. But sure. let's face it, the Japan, Korea, the Philippines, Indonesia, the Vietnam. Vietnam has become friendly with the United States. Why? Because they border China. Mm. They, they, want, they want to take the lessons of capitalism. They want to become, you know, and they know who their neighbors are. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the first strike will look like, I, but you you can be certain that those nations will all line up and they will be marching very quickly. So so you said that they were 35 years into this 50 year plan. Do you think that because of what we're describing with Evergrande, that it speeds it up to the point that we see this in the next five years or, or do you think it could hold off for another 15? Oh, I think it, I think we see the next five. Okay. Right. Cause look, we are disorganized. We're dysfunctional, but sooner or later we get it right. Mm Mm-hmm. The Western powers. We we finally get. God, to I hope. <laughs> I mean, I, I got real. I got real nervous after watching our COVID management. I was just like, "This is insane." And we we sh- I would I would be remiss not to ask you, um, where does China fall in the the World Economic Forum? You know, Bill Gates, the globalist plan. Um, I'm not so sure that those people stand directly in opposition to China. Do you think they do? I think China has already captured the elites, a lot of okay. them. Yeah. I, think, I think they've brought them over to the central planning. Uh, sure del- feel, feels like it after the past 18 months. Like, yeah, we did not have anything but central planning the past 18 months. I, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm as qualified as Bill Gates to talk about virology. No shit. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a college dropout. Yeah. I, I don't know why they give him airtime. It's embarrassing. Well, at this uh, point, I'm not even sure Fauci deserves to talk on virology. <laughs> okay, 
So let me just quickly divert to Fauci because, and maybe sometime you can have me back on. Well, I'll, I will explain in, in gory detail the scientific failings of Fauci. Sure. But one of the biggest problems that Fauci portrays is what I call ossified thinking. Okay, so I am I am not an expert in viruses. I can put my hand uh, in the air and I can put my hand on a Bible as an atheist and say that I swear that I don't know anything about viruses more than than you do. But when it comes to science, I have a mindset that understands that what we know and how things evolve must must change how we react to things in the future. Of course. For example, when when this pandemic started, did Fauci fund uh, research to see how long a coronavirus will live on concrete, how long it'll live on plastic, glass, in the air? You know, did he do anything to expand our understanding of of this specific virus, how big it was? You know, what what light does it uh, get destroyed by and, and what radiation is ineffective. Well, you, you weren't even allowed to talk about it. So I, I sincerely doubt he was researching it much. So that's called ossified thinking in, right. in my mindset. He, he had a set of facts which agreed with his general understanding. And listen, Clint, how dare you talk to me? I'm Dr. Fauci. I've been doing this for 50 years. I know exactly you know, what's going on. At the beginning, if you recall, was it airborne? You know, we didn't uh, know it, if it, was, it wasn't airborne at first, according to him. Uh, it, that's why we didn't, it didn't require a mask and then it did. Exactly. And then it required two. <laughs> you know. And this, the same guy that wrote a journal that explained that a lot of the people that died in the Spanish flu died of bacterial infection from masks. Mass. Yep. So he, there's no way that motherfucker doesn't know that too, by the way. Well, what he's learned is to play the game of Washington. Yes, has, that's that's what I'm saying. He he yeah. is not a scientist anymore. He, I, I don't know. I don't know when he was. I'm sure he was at some point, but he hasn't been a scientist in a very long time. And it's offensive to me that that when he said, "If you disagree with me, you disagree with the science," I was like, yes. "Oh my god!" The hubris and the ossified thought, as you described yeah. it, severe. Isn't he messianic? Oh, I mean, you know, deeply. Uh, you know, with with the golden crown and and the and the cross and everything. Insane. Like completely nonsense. Uh, you know, Professor, um, oh, geez, name escapes me. The point being is this. As a scientist, you must, number one, the first quality you must have is honesty. Do I know or I don't know? We don't know if it's airborne. Let's do a study. Like I said, you've got the most massive ponderous government on earth. You don't think you're going to have 500,000 people breaking down the problem into 15 different subcategories and everybody going out and doing experiments going, okay, on this type of carpet, it gets destroyed on this type of linoleum. It stays for seven days and have all that information and give it back to the public and go, here you go. Is the, okay. Masks. So he said, no masks, masks are important. Why? Because they didn't have enough masks and they wanted to do whatever my, you know, if you read the N95 specification, it says specifically, not designed for water vapor. Well, what do you think breath is? Right? right? Like completely evades the whole idea. Well, not, not only that, but we weren't even using N95s. We were using fucking pieces of cloth, which we all know didn't do anything. So, 
Well, have you ever seen the mop high? Have you ever seen NBC warfare suits, the Gumby suits? I used, back in the mm-hmm. old days, we, we used to do, we called it top high. Okay, so you've got okay. the, the bug-eyed mask with the carbon filters. Oh, right. Green hood, right? You, you look like you're, you're Gumby and you're running up and down and you're sucking wind because there's not enough air coming through these little charcoal filters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When you're hit with an NBC threat, you put on a Gumby suit. Right. You put on carbon filter, fully, you know, covered. You mean, you mean what we saw uh, from the Chinese early on? Because if you yeah. if you remember, they were on the street yes. with with that. So then that's yeah. when I was like, oh, this shit is fucking serious. Well, and if you were if you were in possession of the knowledge of exactly what that virus was for, wouldn't you tell your guys to go in top high or mop high? Of course, of course. So doesn't that but see this is the thing that confuses me. Fauci fucking greenlit the gain of function research in Wuhan. Oh, this this episode we have already talked about way too many uh, third rail topics. So this is going to go exclusively to my locals channel. So this is not going to be on YouTube. So this is why I'm being so overt about this. He funded it. He knew he funded it. He lied about funding it because he knew how fucking bad it looked. Um, do you think that he that he knew i mean the the re- like think about what you described having ossified thought perhaps his thought was ossified because he knew what the fuck it was and and he was just like i'm going to do everything in my power just to hide my culpability i am not concerned with diminishing loss of life i i think it's an interesting question i really don't know you know t- to be fair to any other individual on the planet i won't assume to know what they know but here's what i will say as a scientist, if I was asked if this, and by the way, gain of function is a minimizing language way of saying bioweapon. I agree. I totally agree. Okay. So when folks, so it's like Alec Baldwin, he used a prop gun. Well, mm. it put live bullets in it. So it clearly wasn't a prop. Right. Did Fauci know that his mercenary contract being done in another country under the supervision of the Chinese People's Liberation Army was going to end up as a bioweapon? Well, honestly, you're a scientist. You know what the stuff you're funding does. I don't know how he couldn't know that. Yeah. Well, even, even if, even if everyone was on board with doing it exactly the way it was supposed to be done, even if, right. You know, at the same time, if any of this gets out and maybe this is kind of the sneaky, sneaky part of it, maybe the U S government thinking, but I won't, you know, not an individual, but a a group. Well, if we're going to let something loose on the planet, Maybe we don't want to do it on our own shore. Maybe the thinking was. That's you know. that's a that's a very fair question. I mean, let's just let's just boil down the facts real quick. He greenlit the funding for bat-borne coronavirus gain-of-function research, aka bioweapon creation, in Wuhan, miles away from where they knew the origin of this pandemic arose. How the fuck do you not then turn around and go, oh my god? There is a 
coronavirus outbreak miles down the street from my lab that I know I funded the research on a bat-borne coronavirus that was being turned into a bioweapon, and now it's out. I need to tell the president, I need to tell whoever that like this, we have our hands in this. And I, I really have to, I have to wonder if he didn't tell not the president, but the people that really run this country, whoever the fuck the deep state is, say, look, this, I mean, this is where I get really lost is because I think he knew. So the, the question is, did he, was it intentional? Did he know? Was it intentional? Was it obfuscated intentionally? And this is all part of the, the great reset, build back better plan. And he's, he is a minion of those people. Or was it truly an accident, but they were, he did fund it and it was research for a bioweapon. I just, I can't, I wish I knew. Here, here's, here's where I, so as an engineer, an electrical engineer, I ask myself, you know, when it comes to culpability, okay, what would a reasonable judge think of my actions? Like, like, okay. I'd put you in prison forever and ever and ever. Okay. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> if you know that uh, gain of function has an unknown consequence, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we do research. And we have an outcome. We we did something to X, X turned into Y. Hey, it's interesting. Y does affect Z. And the outcome is we can use Z to do ABC. All right. Dr. Fauci knew manipulating a virus has unknown consequences. Of course. You cannot eliminate worst case scenario from unknown right so the question you have to ask if i was if i was to counsel a judge how the hell do you try fauci you go back to what he told the government whatever like you say the people on the inside that were managing the contract or whatever you go back to that and look and see if dr fauci said we are doing research x to deliver why. However, caveat, we know that it is entirely possible for these set of consequences to arise out of this work. Mm -hmm. And like you buying a car with the sticker price and all the bits on it, if the government said, okay, then the government took the professional advice and did what they were supposed to agreed and, and, and went on with the work. If he was deceptive about what the possible downrange consequences were of unknown gain of function experimentations were, then he is a hundred percent culpable for causing something to go beyond the limits of, of, of human understanding. Mm -hmm. then he is guilty as sin yep. he is there's no way around that if he lied it's on him if he didn't lie it's on you <laughs> sorry it, I, you know, I like it it, well, you, it, it it puts it on the so let's let's cut through all the bullshit let's cut through all the you know the ways that things can be and go was he honest with what would happen with that money I, and, I, and I, I think he was not honest. I mean, he, he may have been honest uh, during the actual underwriting of that, that bill that he approved or not the bill, but the, uh, the grant 
that he approved for that work. He may have been, he may have been honest in that and, and maybe he was misled, but the fact that he obfuscated and lied to Rand Paul repeatedly under, yes. under oath, I think is unforgivable. And, and it basically makes it so that I don't care whether or not he did this intentionally or it was ignorance. If you're going to hide it from the American people and you are the, the man in charge of remedying the problem that came from this, it is a sin that I will never forgive. I mean, it is, it is absolutely like reputation, life ending, full you know, life in prison. There's no, there is not a hell hot enough if, if what I believe happened, happened. Well, and if he used his position to uh, you know, hide himself from his guilt, that's what I'm surely saying. That, surely, that, surely that's enough to get him fired first off. At a minimum, Jesus Christ, I can't believe that this guy is still in power and talking. It's unbelievable. And, and so why, why would American, like, you know, you think, hey, what are you going to do? This guy's whatever. Well, if there, is a, if there is a tribunal, if there's a international panel that comes down and, you know, it, and as the historians write the books about what happened, and they come back and they go through the thought process and the and the you know in the government. If if you're not treating Fauci like a pariah and he's like you say guilty and culpable, then what does that say to the rest of the world about how seriously you treat the threat that that was visited upon them? I mean, you know, an international, you know. Well, it, it makes you look as, in my opinion, as bad as China does right now. It's like. This is why I can't discern between the two, um, but we've, we've gone back and forth for too long. This has been a, a tremendous conversation, Dave. I really appreciate your time. Go ahead and tell people, uh, if you want to, where they can yes. follow you. If not, then we'll just uh, we'll get out of here. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Demon Dave, D-A-E-M-O-N-D-A-V, if you wouldn't mind putting that on your little blurb at the bottom. Of course, of course. Yeah, we've been following each other for a long time. He's a fascinating guy, and I I knew this conversation would be good, and I really appreciate your insights. It's been uh, revelatory. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And maybe we'll chat again soon. I'm sure. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin'. A typo with Luke might bring them nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit. Peter Quinones invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way but I am unequal Lions of Liberty now hear me roar Beat running up but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with a fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot 
Must be air July Screaming in the mic I rip a 59 Miles to ratio That black guns matter Now all these lefties Got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war But we're ready You know I be bopping And rock steady Liberty lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus is scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows this Don't get treated like a hoe